Hello and welcome to the Didache podcast, where we draw upon past wisdom to help plant and grow new churches. In this A Sunday with Jesus series, I'll be joined by a range of guests, and together we'll walk through a typical Sunday, from the call to worship through to food after the service. And we're asking, how do these things help us to follow Jesus throughout the week? My hope is that we'll see our gathered worship of Jesus as the heart of our church life together and our discipleship to Jesus. Not just because of what we're doing, but because of what God is doing in these gatherings. As James Smith wrote, Worship is the arena in which God recalibrates our hearts, reforms our desires, and rehabituates our loves. Worship isn't just something we do, it's where God does something to us. Worship is the heart of discipleship, because it's the gym in which God retrains our hearts. Thanks to all those involved in these episodes, thanks to John Smith for the incredible intro music, and to you for listening. I hope this series helps enlarge your vision of Jesus and his church. Well, welcome to the Didache podcast. In this series called A Sunday with Jesus, we're asking why, as followers of Jesus, do we do what we do on Sundays? Why do we gather together, sing, pray, preach, break bread, and much more? In this episode, I'm going to be discussing confession, uh, and I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Prentice. Mark, nice to have you with us. Good to be here. Cheers, Tom. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, foundational to this series is the truth that Jesus is the living God who invites us to learn life and live life with him in church. And it's as we are gathered in corporate worship that he encounters us and trains us to live out in the world. And confession is part of that. So, Mark, uh, you know, as you know, the Bible's full of these commands to, as Peter Lightheart put it, one another, one another. We're called to be at peace with one another, show yeah. hospitality to one another, teach one another, comfort one another. And that all sounds great. And then we get to one like confess your sins to one another. Yeah. And it's tempting to think, look, I'll take those other ones, but maybe I'll pass on, on that one. Yeah. Why, why is confession a transformative and necessary act for us as followers of Jesus? Uh, I think, I think because, because we're not who we like to think we are. Um, and and uh, I, I think confession is is about recognizing truth. It's about recognizing reality. Um, so you know we, we come before a living God, and uh, you know I, I think in in Church of England terms that this is this is part of the genius of the Anglican liturgy is that you know the first thing you do as you gather as the people of God is is an act of confession. Uh, you know, and that's a really deliberate thing. And it's like, okay, we're, we're not pretending we're not, uh, we're not, we're not being caught up in the way our culture teaches us to think about ourselves. Uh, we're coming before God. We're accepting God's analysis of who and what we are. We're recognizing where we've fallen short. We're facing truth. We're facing reality. Uh, and, and we're doing that in an, in an atmosphere that says, look, we are really confident and secure in God's love for his people, um, you know, that we, we're coming in Christ. So there's no anxiety. It's, it's not like we're feeling threatened or anything. In fact, quite the opposite. Because we're so confident and secure in God's love, we are free to face reality, face the reality of who we are and to trust God to deal with that in a way that will draw us deeper into our relationship with him. Yeah, that's glorious. And I think that's so revolutionary, countercultural, you know, I, I, yeah. 
look out of the world and I, I see this tension really of a world which says like be your authentic self uh, and yet at the same time like in reality I think lots of people are presenting fake selves you know, covering their struggles their suffering their sin but do you think there are challenges to confession in our day and age yeah I mean I think I think there, there's challenges to confession I think that there's there is that thing coming from our culture all the time which is you know, you don't need to confess. This, there's this kind of crazy idea that like guilt is this really negative, inappropriate, prohibitive, restrictive thing that will crush you. Um, and you know, yeah, if, if people don't feel guilt, like that's that's a problem. Do you know what I mean? That's like, like that, that's kind of criminal. When people don't feel guilty about stuff, that's really, really scary. But we kind of have this thing in our culture that we're supposed to free ourselves of all this guilt. It's just utterly naive and, and superficial and I think does colossal damage uh, to people and, and this idea that you were talking about you know be authentic express yourself be who you really are and it's like again that is just I mean it's stupid really it's 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 colossally naive if you listen to yourself if you actually face the truth of who you are I'm like the last thing I want to do is be true to that you know, the last thing I want to do is put that all out there for everybody to see and celebrate. It's like, like, the, the, you know, you know, I am, I am not, I'm not who I want to be, let alone who God wants me to be, you know. And and it's it's just this kind of uh, fantasy world that's out there that says, oh, you know, be be true to yourself and all this rubbish. It's like that would be really dangerous. And if people were actually true to themselves, like we'd live in anarchy. Um, and, and so, you know, there's there's this we just need to kind of think sensibly about the stuff that our culture is saying to us and just go, you know what, that's rubbish. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that we have a mental health epidemic amongst young people in our mm -hmm. country, if that is actually what we're we're presenting them with as a model for, you know, hum, human life. No, it's like we got to face the truth of who we are, do that confident in God's grace, know that actually we can't just um we can't just dismiss that and pretend it's something that's of no significance you know this is something that took the death of jesus to deal with so let's treat it as seriously as god does uh let's deal with it authentically before god and mm. allow his spirit then through that to be beckoning us more deeply into god's vision for who who we are you know that you know what he created us for what he's redeemed us to be liberated to be fully human you know it's like it's as we become who god thinks we are that we really kind of become authentic i suppose and have integrity as human beings so i think there's a real challenge to from our culture i think there's a challenge from within the church as well and i think it's partly born out of our our kind of pathological desire for cultural relevance and um like i remember somebody actually saying to me a youth worker saying to me uh once you know that they thought the way i was leading services as a minister was was alienating young people and i'm like you know what is this about and he was like well it's because you have confession and young people don't like to think of themselves as sinners i'm like you know yeah we don't we don't um like to think of ourselves as sinners we like to think of ourselves as basically good people but we're not and we have to face that reality but i think as a church we're in danger of of losing our doctrine of sin um and and that's affecting our worship so the numbers of churches that don't have confession that that don't do the prayer of humble access because as we come to the lord's table things like that that's because we are we're displacing 
this doctrine, this, this way of thinking about ourselves that is revealed to us in scripture. Uh, and I think it's because we bizarrely, we think that that makes us more attractive to our world. I think actually it just ends up reinforcing all the problems that our culture has with this stuff. We're not actually offering an alternative of saying, look, yeah, let's face, face reality, like I said, and let God deal with that. So Mark, let's, let's step back a little bit and offer something of a, a biblical vision for confession. Where are some of the scriptures we could look at? And what are some of the images and themes that the Bible uses? Um, I mean, I think, I think uh, the old Book of Common Prayer puts us right onto that with the one. And you know, just that whole idea that if we say we have, we have no sin, you know, we, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and uh, purify us from all unrighteousness um so i mean i think that's a brilliant place to go and you know the way in which the way in which our liturgy sets up confession for us and it is in those terms of truth and falsehood uh you know and and kind of reality and unreality um sometimes you get people talking about real life as if you know that's what's going on outside of church people say oh you know what, what's going on in church doesn't connect with real life. You know? And I'm like, buddy, you got that all wrong. You know, kind of real reality is what's going on as the people of God meet to worship. You know, when we gather and we are, uh, you know, amongst other things, confessing our sin, that is reality in a way that we will never get outside of, outside of our worship as, as the people of God. Um, so I think there's this idea of truth and falsehood, reality, unreality. Uh, and again, you know, you think about first John, sort of the, those those kind of cosmic categories of light and, and darkness. And, uh, you know, and, and I think John's picking that out, up from, you know, what, what he has Jesus teaching us in John three about how, you know, Jesus is the, the light of the world. He comes into the world. He's come to expose the reality, again, the reality of what the world is. But what do people do when they're confronted with that? Well, our instinct is to kind of scuttle back into the darkness and hide away because, because our deeds are evil. Right? So we, we kind of know it and we want to hide it away, um, which again is kind of um, ironic in the light of the way our culture tries to deal with some of this stuff. But you know, it's just a self bring, bring it into the light. Let God deal with it. You know, he, he died. Yeah, Jesus dies on a cross because he wants to deal with the reality of our sin. Right? So, you know, it's like, he wants us to bring it to him. He wants us to, to stop pretending, to bring it into the light, to, to, to be vulnerable with it, to be honest about it. Um, and, and sometimes that will be a corporate thing, right? That's something that we do together as the people of God. And he's, it's not like he's, caught off guard by that or you know oh that was unexpected or oh i didn't i didn't know that was coming sort of thing he's like yeah that's exact i've been waiting for you to bring that to me so that we can deal with it and move past it because this is stop this is causing problems in our relationship and we we need if we're going to go any deeper this needs to be dealt with um and so i just think there's a real joy uh in 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 kind of hearing what the bible has to say about those things and trusting it you know absolutely and and i love that he's always been like that i mean there's that that scene in genesis 3 isn't there where adam and eve sin and what do they do they they go into the darkness they, they try yeah. to cover themselves with, yeah. with rubbish things those fig leaves <laughs> and then what was the the lord the lord comes uh the pre-incarnate christ comes yeah. And he, he says, where are you? He gives them an opportunity to come out of the dark and into yeah. the light and proclaims the gospel to them. 
We see yeah. it there, don't we? It's always been like that. Oh, yeah. And Exodus, the same thing. You know, you got a thing where the glory of the Lord kind of inhabits the tabernacle. And, you know, everybody has to kind of leave. Everybody's driven away from the light of God's glory. And then, and then, you know, you turn the page, Leviticus 1, the Lord calls to Moses, like, no, come back. I've got this way for you to come back into fellowship with me. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's an altar and it's a sacrifice, but that's what it's going to take. That's how committed I am to dealing with this kind of. And it's, it's almost it's like, you know, are you, are you committed enough to come to the table on this as well? Yeah, it's just that. I mean, that is our God. And I think, you know, the default position of fallen humanity is a kind of legalism that you know i have to be good enough to come to god and we have to work so hard at kind of resisting the temptation to fall into that and realizing no all right that's not the way it is we come to god and he he makes us good right that that's that's what happens and confession and repentance is part of how the spirit is at work conforming us to the image of jesus um, and it, we've got to get past this fear that, oh, you know, if, if, if I bring my sin into the open before God, that might be a problem. It's like, no, the, the problem is when you won't bring your sin out into the open before God. That's the problem. All right. The, 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 that problem is resolved when we bring it to God and he deals with it in, in the death of, it, of his son. That's so good. And sometimes we can think, oh, God won't have seen what I'm doing before. And it's like, no, no, guaranteed. Like he's seen that before and he's dealt with it before in someone yeah. else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, you, you said you said earlier that sometimes confession is a corporate thing. So yep. when we gather on Sundays, you know, we're both uh, Anglican vicars and we, we have prayers that we pray together as a, as a church family. But it's also something we do part as well could you talk to us about the relationship between corporate confession and private confession i mean i think yeah i mean it, this is this is so important and again i think there is a temptation that we can get we can get this the wrong way around so i think because because we're so, sort of individualistic right we, we tend to think that all the action the action really is in my personal relationship with jesus um and then when when that's really working well in, in a way i can, i bring that to the 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 corporate worship of the church and if everybody in the corporate worship worship of the church is kind of if they're authentic and genuine in their personal relationship with jesus then somehow that all contributes and makes our corporate worship genuine and authentic and actually I, I, again i just think we need to be really careful about that um and i think you go back a couple of generations and uh pastors and theologians thought about this in exactly the opposite way and in a way that i think is much more helpful so they would they would say actually your the the action really is when we are gathered together as the people of god um, and the word of god is being preached and the sacraments are being celebrated and and you know, you know that's that's the fountainhead and that then flows out into our personal kind of relationship uh, and devotional life and stuff so what we learn what we do together and what we learn together as the church should be shaping what's going on in our personal and private kind of lives of devotion and uh, seeking seeking of god so we come together as the church and um and I, like sometimes when i'm introducing confession i talk about the churches it's like we're sinners anonymous 
you know what I mean? We're coming together and, and we're just going, we're like, yeah, we're here. We need, we need grace again. Um, and, and the idea is with liturgy um, that you said, we, we have prayers that we say. And, and those, those liturgical prayers, we need to think very, very carefully about them. But, but what they're doing is they, they are giving us categories and ways of thinking and ways of, of engaging with, with God. And they're giving us a, a, a lived theology of what confession is. Because, uh, you know, if, 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 I, if I am sitting on my own, yeah, reading the Bible, uh, and, and I, I sense the spirits convicting me of sin, like, what, what am I going to do with that? Well, you know, the temptation is to, to, to kind of justify it, explain it away, blame it on somebody else, evade personal responsibility. And if, if you really back me into a corner, and I have to really kind of actually do have to confess, it'll be a fairly, like, brief, superficial thing. Uh, and what we're learning to do as the church together when we have an active confession in our in our worship is we're, we're being taught how to confess sin well um, and, and fully uh, and, and un to understand that sin isn't just something I've done. It can be something I think, something I say. It's something I do through, you know, weakness and, and, or, or ignorance or through my own deliberate fault, you know. And so we're taught to, to examine ourselves properly and in a much more exhaustive and disciplined way at every level of our being and right down into to questions of motivation and stuff like that. And, and we're being taught how to bring that out into the open so that, so that it can be dealt with in, 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 in the encounter with God and, and at the cross. Uh, and that, and that the absolution then is so important as well, isn't it? Because, you know, it, the, the, the reaffirmation that God has been gracious, that God has been loving, um, so it's this sort of instructional sense that that our discipleship is formed through liturgy, uh, and that's kind. Of, it's like going to the gym and you, you do your reps in the gym, kind of over and over and over and over and over again, and that's how you develop strength. It's kind of spiritually something similar is going on. That's a rubbish analogy, and but you know you you're, you're going through the motions of confession over and over and over again until it forms you until. That that becomes your, your intuitive and your re reflexive response to conviction of sin by the Spirit. It's like, well, okay, I'm being convicted of sin by the Spirit here through the Scriptures. What do I do? Oh, I know what to do because I've been taught through my habitual inhabiting of the liturgy of the church's worship. So it's not like, okay, you come to church. Sometimes we do this. Don't we? We, 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 uh, we're coming into the, the a time of confession, which is a kind of weird phrase in itself, right? But, you know, it's a time of confession. And we'll invite everybody just to kind of stop and, you know, think about the things that you've done wrong over the last week. As if, as, as if first of all, as if you could do that, you know, because we said, think about all the things you've done wrong over the last sort of week. And then we give people like 10 or 12 seconds. <laughs> and I'm like, mate, <laughs> I need longer than that. If you want me to think of everything I've done wrong over the last week, you know, my, my days, okay, we're going to be here a long time. So, you know, but there's also this sense of, okay, it's, it's, you've been carrying this all week, but now finally in this moment of confession, you can, you can be free of it all. And, you know, yeah, there is something of the experience of that, I guess, but, but it's not like, 
that's the only time you confess your sins. So you kind of have to store it all up so you can like get rid of it now. Um, it's, it's about giving a structure and um, a voice to, and it's about teaching us about something that is an ongoing part of our spiritual experience. Um, and it's making us aware of it and, and conscious of it and reflecting on it so that we are getting better at that part, if you like, that part of our relationship with, with, with God. You know, we're sinners, redeemed sinners. Sin is an ongoing reality of our experience. Therefore, it needs to be an ongoing reality of our, of our, our walk with God and of our worship as a church. And I think when we start going, oh, we don't really need to do confession in our services, I'm like, oh man, I think that's a problem because our our worship is no longer being shaped by our experience of the gospel. It's being shaped by something else. And that I think is really dangerous. What would you say is the place of vulnerable friendships um, where we confess our specific sins to one another outside of the context of our corporate gatherings? Because I think a critique of uh, corporate prayers of confession is that they can be just general yeah. um, and not specific what would you say to that uh, and perhaps also just tied to that you talked earlier about that and I've done it before I've said you know look, look back at your week and uh, you know think about all the sins that you've done and sometimes I think I, I sometimes I just don't even recognize I can't even see all the sin that's going on in my life and actually I realize I need other people to help me uh, yeah. to see that and then confess it so just talk to us a little bit about that place of, of, of those vulnerable friendships where we can confess our sins specifically. Yeah. I, um, I, I mean, these, these are, these are really important. Uh, uh, obviously vulnerability opens you to abuse and manipulation. So there, there needs to be a genuine wisdom about how we navigate some of this stuff. Um, uh, and probably those friendships and relationships develop in, in my experience anyway they, they develop over over years of trusted fellowship and support and encouragement and slowly over time you begin to trust people more um, and you're able to be more vulnerable with them and I, I think this is this is important because um, you know we deceive ourselves you know we lie to ourselves all the time and there's something about the, the nature of our ongoing sinfulness that, that, is, that is sort of misdirective. Yeah. And we, we have, we have a, a pathological tendency to justify ourselves and to, to explain stuff away and to blame other people and, and to do everything and anything except actually own our sin, take responsibility for it and bring it before the Lord. And the idea that there is somebody who knows you well enough to see when you're doing that and who loves you in Christ um, as, a, as a brother uh, enough to, to kind of risk, in a way, risk the friendship by challenging you, I think is an extraordinary gift. Um, and, and like we need it because we're not going to do it ourselves. I, there are times when I will need somebody else to say to me, Prentice, we need to talk about this because I, I see this pattern developing in your in your life, and uh, it's it's not it's not it's, it doesn't resonate well with what Scripture calls us to, and you don't seem to be dealing with it. So let let's have a chat about that, and you know how how can I support you with this? How can I help you? And 
you know, it opens up the possibility for spiritual growth in a way that we we would never have if we were just on our own. So being prepared to hold other people to account and, to, and being humble enough in a way to be held to account by other people is, is I would say, a, a really critical spiritual discipline. Um, and and I, I think you need it because like there, there was a, a phase, uh, it, it was really trendy a few years ago to be, to have accountability partners and stuff. And like, you know, you would ask a question and people would just lie to each other, right? <laughs> you know, is there anything else? What's the what's the thing you don't want to tell me and all this sort of stuff. And you, you know, you, you, people just evade it. And, and I think the reason it fell into disuse is because people just weren't, weren't honest. And that's the thing is we aren't honest. You know, we are not honest, even as, as Christians, like we're just not truthful. It's interesting to me when, the, when the Lord wants to distinguish himself from humanity, one of the things he sometimes says is, you know, I am not a human being that I should lie. You know, and it's like that, that is kind of systemically part of what it means to be a fallen human being. We are just not honest. Um, so we will, we will lie and we will certainly lie about our sinfulness. And, you know, I, I think if, if we are relying on ourselves to be self-aware enough and honest enough and courageous enough to talk, to, to volunteer to other people, where our sinfulness is is really breaking through we're going to be waiting a long time uh, and i actually think we need to be much more proactive with one another in those relationships um and, and kind of just just getting into people's lives sharing life together in a way that means i can see when something is going wrong here and we have the relationship that allows me to challenge you on it and i, I think if we could get that well when we can, when we do get that uh, I think it opens up, like I said, the possibility for spiritual growth that we would never have in isolation. Listen, Mark, we've been thinking a lot about other people's involvement in our life of confession, but what about our confession to them if we sin against them? Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's it's helpful if we put this in in a slightly wider context around the importance of church unity. Um, you know, so you get... You know, you, you 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 glance through the book of Ephesians and it's it's all about the fact that Christ has broken down everything that would alienate us from each other. And, the, you know, you get then into Ephesians four and it's like make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. And you know, there's a sense the God that we worship is is a, a God of of community in unity, as it were. And, and that's supposed to be reflected within the life of the church. And that's not just kind of some spiritual thing. That's actually supposed to be lived out in our relationships with one another. But because we are these kind of redeemed sinners, you know, who are at the same time declared righteous and yet sinful, actually we're doing things all the time in our relationships with each other that are damaging, wounding, and alienating. Um, and, and one of the things that comes through, I think, really clearly in the Bible and, and in, the, in the teaching of Jesus is the there's a sense of urgency around sorting that stuff out um you know that we we can't on the one hand pretend that we're all standing together before christ when in actual fact our relationships are in disarray uh and and there needs to be really kind of serious engagement with those things and you know several times jesus talks about how 
you know, if somebody sins against you and they come to you and repent, and that's an important part of it, right? They come to you and repent, you forgive them. And if it happens seven times in a day, then you forgive them seven times. There has to be that constant repairing of the unity uh, of the church. Perhaps more famously, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, where, where Jesus has this, this, this uh, idea where, you know, if you are presenting your gift at the altar and there you remember that a brother or sister is something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So actually, this is so important that you know, it takes priority over worship. Um, and you have to go and sort this stuff out with, with, with someone who you have sinned against. They've got something against you. You need to go be, I need to confess my sin. I need to be forgiven. And then together we come uh, and worship. And I love the fact that Jesus puts that before the altar. Um, because, you know, in the temple, the altar is where, is where the sacrifice, that is where sin is dealt with. And, you know, there's this sense of what I'm experiencing in my relationship with God here in worship needs to, it has to be, reflected out into my relationships with with my brothers and sisters in christ so i think the two things massively interconnected amen to that mark there's plenty there for us to to, to think about and chew on so thank you so much for that and i just thank hope you. that this helps those who are listening uh, to walk in the light of jesus to live a life of confession in the freedom of the gospel thanks so much for tuning in and do look out for a future episode of a Sunday with Jesus soon.